Welcome to the NPTE Final Frontier Podcast, helping one student at a time. Visit NPTEFF.com to enroll today so you can pass tomorrow. Thank you for joining us here on the NPTE Final Frontier Podcast. My name is Emily. And my name is David. Today, we will be interviewing Dr. Rebecca Griffith, creator and founder of the EDDPT. Dr. Griffith graduated with her Bachelor of Arts degree in kinesiology and applied physio- uh, physiology, followed by her doctorate in physical therapy from the University of Colorado. Dr. Griffith is also a board-certified neurologic clinical s- specialist and a fellow in training at Regis University. She works as a physical therapist in the emergency department and intensive care unit at the University of Colorado Hospital. While not inside of the hospital, Dr. Griffith serves as the Colorado Chief Delegate for the APTA. She has received the Bob Doctor Service Award, Emerging Leader Award, and the Pauline Sarasoli Academic and Clinical Excellence Award. She is also the host of the successful Admitted or Not podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. It's such a great pleasure to have you as a guest today. Well, thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be on this podcast with you and to finally connect with you both. Yes. So first, let's just tell us a little bit about yourself. Why did you choose to become a physical therapist? And more specifically, why did you decide to specialize in neurology? It's an interesting question because I was not going to be a physical therapist. Like from the time I was old enough to walk, I was going to be like a lawyer. I don't know what child says that, but I was going to be a lawyer. I like grew up in the John Grisham, like peak era. I nearly failed algebra because I was reading the firm in the back row. Like I was not going to be a physical therapist. I was going to go to Occidental. I was going to go to law school. I had it all mapped out. And then my dad actually had a little bit of a health crisis while I was in high school. And during that time I had been accepted to college. Um, but like nobody was really available to help me figure out the financial aid paperwork and, and how, like the logistics of actually getting to college and like doing all of that. So I graduated high school early and decided to work for a year while we got everything sorted out. And during that time I got engaged and like totally changed my trajectory. So I started working while my husband finished college. And during that time I had some like knee pain issues and things like that. And, And I ended up deciding to go to college initially to become a physical therapist after seeing what my dad had gone through as a bilateral below knee amputee. And then through my own experiences with physical therapy, I thought, Hey, this is flexible. I don't have to sit all the time. I can be up and moving. And I was fascinated with the body's ability to really like heal itself. And so one of my favorite things about being a physical therapist is to be a hope bringer, like that person that truly brings hope back to people's lives. And there's really no better space for that, in my opinion, than the neurospace. So I became a board certified neurologic clinical specialist in part due to my past working at Craig Hospital, which is a brain and spinal cord injury specialty hospital in the Colorado area. But just with the mystery of it and how kind of exciting it is to find what's happening with each patient with a neurologic condition. So that's kind of how I got started. I couldn't agree more about bringing hope, especially to people when they're at a time where they need it more than ever. I feel like, I feel like so many people, especially physical therapists, sometimes maybe had a 
different career path at first, but then due to either a personal experience or a family member's experience, they decided this is just such an amazing field that you can treat such a wide variety of different patients, different conditions, and help them in such different ways. It just gives you endless opportunities. Like you mentioned, although you may have not wanted to specialize in amputations, you decided neurology was what you wanted. So there's just so many different avenues. So many different things. And I think that's one of the biggest blessings of physical therapy is that you can change jobs and change everything about what you're doing, but not have to choose a new career. We know that you're primarily working in the emergency department and the intensive care unit. So what is your favorite thing about being inside of that emergency emergency department in the intensive care unit? What do you like the most about being in there treating the patients? Well, our hospital is, is enormous. So we have seven different ICUs. So uh, I, one of my favorite things about intensive care is, is how fragile and vulnerable the patients are and how you can make that connection and really help them gain those like second first steps. So one of my favorite things are second first steps, that first step after a stroke or that first step after, you know, an incomplete spinal cord injury or something like that. So I I love that aspect of it, but what I, I've really found my passion in emergency physical therapist practice, because I think that physical therapy should not be a luxury. And then it should be accessible and available to everyone, particularly in their most vulnerable moments. And for me, the emergency department is a safety net where we can see patients who would never otherwise get our care, patients who are uninsured, patients who are undocumented, people with low health literacy, people who have no other access to health care. And so for me, it's a privilege to work in that space. And the other thing that I like about it is clinically even though I'm a neurologic clinical specialist and I'm working on my fellowship in orthopedic manual physical therapy, I don't want to be one thing. I want to be a specialist at being a generalist. I want to be an all patient therapist. And the emergency department is the place to be top of scope and to be able to serve anyone. Yeah, totally. And that entire second first steps, that is so powerful to just have that impact on someone's life. So that, that's just right there. That's just amazing. It's a gift, right? It's a gift oh, yeah. and a privilege that we have. Totally. Now, I love how you mentioned all the benefits to being able to treat patients in the critical care setting, especially in the intensive care unit, but especially in the emergency department as well. With that being said, what is one thing you feel could be done to make the physical therapy profession better, especially within those settings? I'm going to just share my, maybe my most unpopular take is that we need to stop training PTs for setting specific care. And we need to start being more innovative and more upstream in the care that that we provide. So uh, there's a lot of conversation about there's so many, so many people in PT school, there's so many PT programs, how will we ever have enough jobs? I think if we we need to start looking outside the current existing structures for physical therapy, outside the hospitals, outside the clinics, and get into the spaces where patients are. I also think in order to be more inclusive in our practice, we need to meet patients where they are. We need to go to more patients. We need to have hours that are not bankers hours, and we need to be providing care to more of our most vulnerable patients, as well as to specialty areas. I I mean, I have a friend who works in the prison system. I have a friend who does industrial medicine. I have a friend who works with postpartum patients and as a doula, as a physical therapist. So there are so many spaces where we can and should be 
that I don't see us running out of physical therapists, physical therapist jobs. I see us needing more physical therapists who can think outside the box, think outside that traditional clinical system where we can be primary care providers, we can be upstream healthcare providers that really focus on transforming society. I absolutely love that. And I think that completely starts with us advocating not only for our profession, we talk about that all the time, but advocating for ourselves, not settling. For example, I found a job at a school that I could be able to split my week in outpatient as well as acute care for that specific reason. I wanted to be able to broaden my skills in different settings. And the only way for me to be able to focus on manual skills as well as critical lab values and just such a different variety of topics was to put myself out there and put myself in different settings to really push myself. So I couldn't agree more. I'm going to challenge you a little bit on that too. Why aren't you using those orthopedic manual skills in the acute care setting? Like, why are we not doing manual therapy in the intensive care unit? What about those patients who are intubated for weeks at a time? Do we not think that they might have some cervical joint dysfunction that could be addressed with manual therapy? Can we not be reducing pain for some of those patients who've been bed bound for so long? I feel like we need to take all of our skills and be top of scope wherever we are. 100%. And I specifically don't really work within the ICU setting, but our ICU hot, um, physical therapist does use some of her manual skills, Love which it. I'm very impressed with, with her because she feels the exact same way. She started in the outpatient setting, worked her way to the hospital and realized, wait, why did I stop using all of my skills I had mm-hmm. as an outpatient physical therapist? These patients are here for weeks on end. Sometimes in the ICU, we can't just, you know, not give them that component of therapy as well. So I like that you challenged me on that because I couldn't agree more. So with all of that being said, what is one piece of advice that you would give to any physical therapy student out there? I think that you should think outside the box. And, and I know that that's like such a cliche and trite, trite saying, but like when I started PT school, I was sure I knew exactly what I was going to do. I was going to be an outpatient PT and I was going to work with these patients and do this thing. And I like had my whole future like mapped out for me. I was afraid of hospitals. Like, like if somebody threw up anywhere near me, I was like in a panic, like cold sweat because there was vomit, like totally ridiculous now that I've been in acute care for over 12 years. But I have to say, like, say yes to those unique experiences and say yes to those traditional experiences and don't pigeonhole yourself into anything without really exploring all that there is. And also like flex those creative brain muscles. Like what is ideal state for you and how can you get on that path to find it? Yes. I love that. So you have provided our students with honestly so much useful tips in just even a short amount of time. So I cannot thank you enough, but we have one final question and this is our fun question. This is a surprise. (laughs) All right. Okay. All right. It has nothing to do with physical therapy. Even better. Even better. (laughs) When you are not working as a physical therapist, we know you're kicking butt with a black belt in martial arts. What got you started with that? Oh, okay. So I will tell you when, when you get your black belt, when you've earned it, part of earning your black belt is, is giving a a, like speech about why it matters to you and what it means to you to be a black belt. And for me, like I've never been athletic in, in any way. And so part of my speech was like, 
I never saw myself doing something like this. Always like last picked at kickball, like most likely to hit the face with softball, like never, never going to be that athletic person. I, if, if you saw me running, you'd be like, is that running? Like, what is she doing? Cause that does not look like running. Like I'm not a coordinated, graceful human. It's not my spiritual gift. So when my kids started martial arts, one of them started because he has autism and we thought it would really help him with some like physical input and some physical discipline. And he, he's been thriving with that. And then my other son really needed it kind of as a confidence booster. And then my daughter was like, oh gosh, I want to do that too. And she's a dancer. So it, it really like ties in well with her athleticism. And then my husband was like, well, hey gosh, maybe I should try this. And I was like, oh, oh man, I, how did I end up with all these athletes around me? I'm like a book nerd. And my kids were like, well, why don't you want to do it, mom? And I couldn't bear to say, because I'm not brave enough to try and I'm afraid to fail. So my kids really challenged me to level up and to be brave enough to be bad at something new. And I did that. And I was brave enough to be bad at something new. And you know what? I'm never the best one on the mat ever. And I fail forward every time I go. And it's a humbling experience for me every time because I really like to set myself up for success and be the person who, who's good at what they do. But I think it's also good to have something that you struggle at to help you learn to continue moving forward and to continue to break down your like self-imposed barriers. So for me, becoming a black belt means being brave enough to see beyond who I thought I was. That's incredible. And you definitely are brave. I think that that's, that's just so powerful uh, how you did something that you were just uncomfortable with. You put yourself out there and look at you now. Look at what you did. Look at what you accomplished. You got I, that. I mean, black. I, I'm every time I, I take it out and I put it on, I'm like, who is this person? Like, how did I get here? And I'm never, never probably going to win a tournament and I'm never really going to probably ever be like the best. But one of the best things that I learned from martial arts that I'll, I'll leave you with kind of as a parting thought is the concept and the power of yet. And so when you are in the middle of an exam and you're you've like, oh gosh, I didn't pass this. Well, you didn't pass it yet. I haven't figured out how to manipulate that patient flow back in this position yet. I haven't found a job yet. I haven't passed the NPTE yet. Like take that negativity and add that optimism and that future state of success when you're in that like frustrated space. So I learned that in martial arts as well. I may not have figured out how to do that kick yet, but I will. I totally love it. So how can listeners get in touch with you and find you on social media after this? Um, I, I'm not too hard to find. You can find me at, at the EDDPT on Twitter or Instagram. I also have a Facebook page, the EDDPT, and a Facebook group for people who are interested in like carrying on the conversation about EDPT, um, the EDDPT on Facebook. And you can also find me on Twitter, our Griffith DPT where I share kind of less EDPT related things. If you want to have conversations about the profession and life in general, I'm here for it. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate you and everything that you had uh, that you have to offer. Thank you so much. Of course. Thank you for having me. Now that you heard our interview with Dr. Rebecca Griffith, here is a quote from Bruce Lee. Defeat is a state of mind. No one is ever defeated until defeat has been accepted as a reality. 
remain in control of that mind, warriors. You are battling for your dream. You're going after your dream to defeat this exam. Do not allow this exam to defeat you. It has no power over you. You can do this. You are powerful. You are strong. You are a final frontier warrior. You will pass. Thank you very much for listening. For more information on the NPTE Final Frontier, please visit NPTEFF.com. You can also check out all of our social media platforms such as Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. Till next time, have a great day and a powerful tomorrow.